E-N. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A market trade that's awesome. Uh, Interesting trade. We saw some somewhat higher numbers on the corn. It was the soybeans and the wheat that took the drop. And you flip the page just to mention that the cattle were lower on the live. Feeders saw a mixed type of market trade in the hogs to the upside. Well, today we're going to focus on some of the happenings in this grain complex, including major factors that these markets seem to be focused on. And is weather really that big of a deal right now to Chicago? As we know, it's so wet on the eastern corn belt, definitely drier in the western. We'll also talk about planting projects with Ukraine, what's going on with there, trying to get grain shipments going on, and demand. Where are we at for the demand of these products? And of course, everybody's been talking about December futures as of late. All that conversation and more with Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. And so let's talk about some of the major factors. What were you seeing that kind of was the spark for this corn market today? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is as we dig in and take a look, um, you know, the rumored reports that uh, China is going to be in the market and buying some buying some corn and they are arranging freight and we've heard that over the last couple of days and then to see it show up in the weekly export sales, I think that was that was positive. You know, we've we've also as you survey the landscape and kind of take that thirty thousand foot views, and you know everybody's looking at this just slow planning progress. And and I would say overall, as you look across the whole corn belt, there isn't anybody that's probably planning in very good conditions. You know, Nebraska is making very good headway. You know, we're yeah, so Nebraska's ahead of others, but honestly, the condition we're, we're planning into is, is not very good. And then and then you go to the east and to the very north, and the, you know it's extremely wet up there. And then, and then we have to, you know, go down in South America and look at that safrina corn crop. And the, generally the trend there is that no one's really adjusting those yields down too much yet at all. But uh, there's probably 35 to 40 percent, maybe 40 to 45 percent of that crop that's uh, probably in, you know, situations and areas where it's a little drier than it'd like to be. And, and a lot of that is showing up in Matagrosso. And we have to keep in mind Matagrosso, as far as the safrina crop goes, is is the largest corn uh, producing state, you know, within within Brazil. And then as you move on over to Ukraine um, and, and the war that uh, Russia's got going with them, you've got planning progress you're talking about. And you're also talking about shipments. So you bring all those things together and it gives us a very volatile market season. Well, the volatility is that there before we kind of look at uh, uh, other factors in this trade. You know, you're talking the weather and I know that planting is underway. What's the red flag warning level for chicago to start saying okay wait a second things aren't as good as we thought in the eastern or eastern or the western corn belt due to weather yeah so i think you know as we dig into that um the crop progress numbers um, from this last monday would have shown that we were about seven percent planted and and so far from a planning progress side they're gonna they're gonna look at that and say you know what we're gonna have to hold on for a little while here uh before they get too concerned about that I, I think now as far as the dry conditions in the West, and when we take a look at Nebraska's topsoil and subsoil, I mean, those are some of the highest numbers we've had probably within the, you know, the top two of what we have with data going back into the mid-90s. The only thing about it is anytime it's just Nebraska, um, they look at Nebraska and say, well, but they've got a lot of irrigation out there. So it until we'd honestly get to a point where we'd, we'd say that, you know what, it, it's impacting the emergence, it's, it's physically 
causing us problems with getting um, as a corn condition rating. So, you know, change. So we're, we're probably three, four weeks away from, from really from the Nebraska, even though conditions are bad here from Chicago paying too much of attention. But on a side note, um, we did have, you know, the drought monitoring information came out and it does show that about 23% of the U.S. corn crop is in drought conditions. But at this stage of the game, usually it doesn't get paid too much attention to, Susan. Well, let's look at planting planting progress that is for for corn at this point, because I'm starting to see more and more pictures popping up on social media of some planters in the field. Yeah, you know, that 7% number, I just want to kind of put that in perspective to give you an idea. Back in 2010, um, for this last week that, uh, you know, would have been reported for the fastest progress would have been 50% back in 2010. Uh, the slowest would have been 2% back in 1983 and 84. So currently we're try, you know, we're tied. We're about across that whole time frame that we have data, data going back to uh, 1980, um, you know, so we would, you would have over, over 40 years of data there. Uh, Nebraska, or uh, the national numbers coming in somewhere around about the 25th percent or about the 25th fastest or or to say it another way you know we're we're probably approaching about the midway of what that range is so looking at the soybean side of obviously not a lot of soybean information as of this point but is there because we've heard some rumblings about acre wars going on between corn and beans and is that something that might catch the attention of the markets well, I, I think so. I think if anything, you know, the conditions we, when we originally got at the end of March, we got those planning attention numbers and, and the generally feeling out there was that probably that was going to be the, you know, smallest corn number and the biggest bean number out there. But I, I think corn's having to make sure that it does get enough acres because the conditions we're getting in here right now would suggest that there's probably a few of those acres that do end up getting switched over to beans. The only thing that we have to look at on that though is there was a lot more fertilizer put on this last fall than normal and people have tried to get fertilizer put on susan so i think that may prevent you know too many acres from switching but there there sure could be some some switching of acres that could happen especially as we go down the road a little further what about planning progress in ukraine you know that's been interesting to watch overall in ukraine um they've got about uh 10.8 million acres that they've got planted so far out of about 37 million is what they planted last year that'd be about 29.3 percent the other number that you know the market's watching very close is is corn plantings and corn plantings are about 13.9 percent that's about 1.9 million acres so they're moving along there overall what we're hearing is that i think they've got enough supply there to probably get the crop planted i don't think it'll all get planted that by no means, but, you know, could they come up 25 or 30% short, Susan? Well, when we come back, we're going to take a look at how shipments are coming when it comes to Ukraine and a lot more in this market trade on this Thursday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids has always been about building relationships with our customers. Here's Mark Glow, a dealer from Wood River, Nebraska. Best part of Fontenelle is the people, but most importantly, working with the customers that we enjoy working with and building relationships. The most rewarding part of being a dealer is seeing our products perform every year with a wide range of farming practices and the ever-changing weather. For more, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labor. BM. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Jeff Peterson, Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. And I'm curious about this. When we were talking ahead of the show about talking about uh, grain shipments in Ukraine, a couple weeks ago they were talking about Russia putting in some mines in the area of grain shipment. Is that Was that just chatter? Is there some issues that are going to cause for a slowdown in getting that grain moved? Well, there, there's some big slowdowns. You know, as, as we always go back and say, Ukraine is such an important producer and such an important supplier of world stocks out there across corn or on the corn side, the wheat side, and then the sunflower oil side. You know, they're really important. And there's other crops are important on, but those are some of the highlights. And, you know, they were always used to sending everything out of the Black Sea over 90%, 95% in some estimations. But everything would go out of those ports. And, and they have a very extensive rail network that would help them get everything moved down to the port side. But the problems has been is that since the Black Sea's all shut off, now Ukraine's had to make some big adjustments. And, and you know, and they're moving just a fraction, Susan, of what they, you know, they used to move. You know, on a big month, they could move 6.5 million metric tons, so rough numbers, 240, 250 million bushels. And honestly, now they're probably moving 20 to 25 million bushels. And, and, you know, they're doing it by rail. Um, they're sending rail out, uh, you know, going to the West, going on over into Europe. There's about 13 different border crossings that they have that they can go across. Four or five of them are ultimately kind of the major ones that, that go across, whether you're going into Poland or Romania or Moldova, you know, and into those areas. But part of the challenge they run into is, one, you've got a difference in, in with the rail, and we've talked about that some. Uh, the rail within Ukraine is a wider gauge. It's probably three and a half, four inches wider than what you find common in Europe. So anytime you come and hit those spots where you're switching rail, what you have to do is it all, obviously you got to switch. That's, that's made things go really slow. Hey. Um, trucking, trucking wise, they're still trying to truck, you know, grain out too, but, but that's a slow process. So. What do you see that as the economic impact and how does it, you know, translate to us here in the States? Yeah, so, I mean, that's the big thing is that somebody's going to have to pick up ultimately from where they're they're leaving off. And and I think we're going to hear more about this going forward. Ukraine is, is very important in regard to the supply. Now, there was a positive thing that did happen, Susan. They had been sending um, by rail over to into Romania and the Constantia port there. It's a very important port, a very busy port. They actually did load uh, Ukrainian corn, did get loaded on a vessel, a Panamax ship actually and this would be the first bushels that got sent out um, but that was because U- Ukraine worked with Romania to move bushels down there to send out out on a ship and and there's also another thing that's happening right now there's some Romania and Ukraine are working together to actually make it so that there's a port on the Danube River that uh, um, Galati or um, and I probably mispronounced that but that particular port what they're able to do is that they would be able to send um, on the the Russian gauge rail or the wider rail all the way down to that port and then they'd be able to load ships there but the only problem with that is um, they're loading a smaller ship and in that particular ship only holds about 20,000 metric tons where a Panamax would actually hold about 57,000 metric tons so you know they're they're holding probably 750 800,000 bushels and so you know those bushels if they come out of there they could maybe go over to Lebanon or over to Turkey so so there's a few positive things that they're working on but overall what 
your question originally asked is that what impacts are going to have really across the world in the U.S.? It's going to mean anybody that uh, is going to have to step in and supply for basically bushels that they aren't able to get sent out of the country, Susan. So we've got higher prices here in the States. How's demand holding up for corn and beans? Well, a couple things that we're watching closely. Um, we start off on the soybean side first, and, and here amazingly, demand's holding up okay yet. And, and, a, and as a matter of fact, Susan, um, today with the export sales numbers we saw in soybeans, we actually now are setting the 2.15 uh, one uh, billion bushels of exports on the bean side between what we have for outstanding sales and what we've got out there. It's already shipped, and that's exactly where USDA has us. So what that means down the road is that we're going to have to see the demand number go up and the stocks number physically come down. And then as we look over on the ethanol side, ethanol is running year-to-date about 9.2% ahead of last year. USDA thought we're going to be up about 6.8%, so ethanol is holding in okay too, Susan. And finally, current prices, looking at the December futures as we can do a comparison. Yeah, it is interesting. The highest that December price had ever been, you know, were, is uh, eight forty nine. That had been back on August tenth of two thousand twelve, and then the next highest would have been seven ninety nine and a quarter back on June twenty seventh of oh eight. So, and then two thousand eleven seven seventy nine. So we have had some higher prices than where we're at right now, Susan. Great information today, Jeff. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com to get some free daily commentary delivered by text or email, or follow me on Twitter at JeffPeterson01. And that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.